1: Hi, friends, and welcome. My guest today is Jacob Shamban. He is a sharp, young financial advisor and someone who's been part of my mentorship coaching program for almost a year now. I find him to be very thoughtful, a clear and concise communicator, not to mention he's ambitious and hardworking. If you were to put him to a big five personality test, let's say, there's no doubt he'd be high in conscientiousness. For this episode, we sat down to talk about what it's like being an up-and-comer in today's uncertain economic times, where it seems like every day the sun comes up, somebody's predicting a recession. But as my first guest, not born in the 20th century, it's neat to get Jacob's perspective on life. How he navigates social media, how he thinks about relationships and networking, why he wishes he'd started saving money even earlier than he did. The man's 22. (laughs) So we cover a lot of ground. These are inflationary times, and I just think it's great to get fresh perspective. Please enjoy my chat with Mr. Jacob Shamban. Jacob, welcome. Glad to have you, my man. Thanks for having me, Brad. You're a financial advisor, so we get to talk about money today. That's exciting. Yes, sir. You grew up here, right, in Houston?
0: Yes, so I'm originally from Fulcher, Texas, Katy, Texas area. Uh, I played college baseball, which is what brought me from Texas to eventually Iowa. I played at a junior college there called Iowa Western, played there for two years. And then after my second year there, I transferred up to the University of Wisconsin lacrosse. So, smaller town by Texas standards, bigger town by Wisconsin standards, over on the, the western side of the state, closer towards the Twin Cities.
1: How did you end up in Iowa? Did they recruit you? So, towards the end of
0: my senior year of high school, I was obviously trying to play college baseball, big passion of mine. Um, it was a goal of mine ever since I started playing baseball. I just wanted to play college baseball somewhere. And I just happened to know an alum from Iowa Western who would come watch me at a lot of my games and he thought it'd be a good fit. And he was very good friends with the, the current head coach there. And he would come to my games, send some footage of me playing to the head coach and eventually just got to the point where they um, let me come up, check the place out. And for a junior college in Iowa, to be quite frank, like the facilities they have there incredible um state-of-the-art locker room baseball field and it's only gotten better since i've been there and um it was a a pretty incredible experience being able to play at a place like that with a lot of impressive athletes
1: is that a d1 juco
0: yep it is a division one junior college so they offer
1: scholarships Mm -hmm.
0: you had a scholarship i was a walk-on
1: i was a late recruit nice Mm -hmm. i did the same thing out of high school and my goal was to play Division One baseball. Was that your ultimate goal, or what were you thinking while you were at JUCO?
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone goes to junior college not wanting to play Division One baseball at some level. Uh, that was not the reality for me. I was a little bit on the, the mental side of the game. That really was kind of my, my obstacle that kept me from reaching that next level. I I had the tools, had the skills, but confidence was a thing that kind of got in my way quite a bit um, playing college baseball.
1: Mm. Is confidence still an issue for you? I I wouldn't think so. I mean, you came here and (laughs) you seem confident to me. Yeah. I mean, you're a tall, strapping young man.
0: Baseball and sports in general are, at the end of the day, everyone's got to hang up the cleats at some point in time. And all we have are the memories we made, the relationships we made, and the the, the lessons we learned from the game we play, and for me, not taking things too, too seriously, being able to just trust the work you put into whatever it may be, baseball, career, anything, and just apply that to your life and just trust that your preparation was suitable. I'd say, yeah. Did for, you get
1: to come home often when you were in Iowa? I came home twice a year.
0: That's it, huh? Yeah, I came home for... Well, first year was COVID year, so I had the longest uh, summer break anyone had ever had in school history. But yeah, we came
1: home twice a year, Christmas and summertime was pretty much it. Did you notice the impact on people's communication skills after COVID? The only thing that really stuck out
0: to me just being younger in college during COVID was how people could really just pass by through their schoolwork in terms of not having to put as much effort in because i mean when you all your assignments are online well so are all the answers so i'd say when it, in terms of school and covid that's what stuck out to me the most
1: interesting so you ended up at wisconsin lacrosse i've actually heard of that why would i have heard of that school do the Saints have a training camp there or something? Maybe when I was little, that's where their training camp was.
0: Um, maybe, maybe back in the day. I don't think they have any place right there now. If if you like to go to the bars, there's a ton of bars there. It's kind of known for that around the state. Outside of that, I don't know why you might have heard of Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Is it
1: D two in AI? It is
0: a it's a Division three. So okay. it's a it's one of the better Division threes in the nation. A pretty good program up there.
1: So they don't give scholarships. Isn't that that's not D three means? Correct. Okay. Not
0: athletic scholarship.
1: Were you able to finagle another kind of like a leadership scholarship or something?
0: Academics. Academics came out of junior college with a four point which isn't nothing to write home about. Um it, at least where I went to school.
1: Well has anybody asked about your your GPA since you graduated? No. Never no. Does that upset you? No. You don't feel like dang I put in so much effort? I mean, I'm, for me, it doesn't bother me
0: because I'm the type of person, if anything's important, like academics are important. um, I'm going to put my best effort forth at all times. So for me, I wasn't doing it because I, I mean, it's nice to have a good one and show that to people, but I didn't feel like I needed it. It wasn't a part of who I was. I just put in best effort and whatever it was, I just
1: let it be at that. Did you go to Lambeau Field while you were up there?
0: I just went for the first time this last weekend. How was that? Incredible. Uh, of all of the sports stadiums I've been to, I think Lambeau might be the nicest. And I haven't been to an, an insane amount. My resume is not huge on that standpoint, but Lambeau is.
1: Is that because they've remodeled it?
0: Yeah, they pump a lot of money into just keeping it looking very good. Um, the surrounding area is very nice. The stadium is really nice for how old it is. And it, it's an awesome atmosphere to go watch a football game.
1: I'll bet. Is there tailgating prior to the game? Absolutely. Yeah. Just about everywhere you look. A lot of beer drinking. That's what
0: Wisconsin's known for, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, the first thing I think of is cheese. So cheese you, and beer. Is that right? Yep.
0: Yep. So yeah, a lot of drinking.
1: Did you eat a lot of cheese while you were there?
0: Um, that's not the biggest cheese guy. I enjoy it, but I mean, not like the state of Wisconsin, not the average Wisconsinite. Why is there a fascination with cheese? I, I couldn't really tell you. They make it up there. Um, they, they just love it. They just love cheese up there.
1: How did you adjust to
0: cold weather? It's one of those things where you just, you're in it enough. So you don't have a choice, but to get used to it, it's, it's really nice having seasons compared to Houston where it's just hot year round i appreciate watching the leaves change the snow come in but it does get to a point where it's just too cold and you're kind of ready for the the warmer weather to start rolling in
1: is it depressive like do you notice people being down a lot because there once, aren't there's not a lot of sun during the winter
0: once the holidays Are over with so I'd say after the new year probably end of January February and March everyone just gets so sick of the weather and they're just ready for it to be over with
1: do you find the women are more or less attractive up there
0: I mean it's just it's a different different part of the country there's different there's different women up there
1: are there less blondes I would think so there'd be less tan and less
0: blonde Definitely less tan. You don't you don't see many tan people, period, up there. Um, I haven't really noticed one way or another more blonde or brunette. Mm, so you flew into Houston from which city? I drive to Minneapolis. So we're wow. way over on the western side on the border with Minnesota. It's about okay. two hours to the Twin Cities.
1: Two hours, that's it? That's it. Have you been to where the Twins play?
0: Not yet. That's on uh, my list for this summer.
1: One of my clients is going to the Minnesota Gopher Stadium this weekend. I believe they play Wisconsin. That's another stadium I'd I'd really want to visit.
0: Which one, Minnesota or Wisconsin?
1: The University of Minnesota. Gopher Stadium. Physician on Fire went to the University of Minnesota, former guest on the podcast. He was on the show right around the time he retired. There's a LinkedIn equivalent in the medical community. And... I guess they they scoured the, the interwebs to find a recent podcast episode where he was a guest and picked up Man Overseas and posted the link on that website and the downloads just went nuts. In fact, he emailed me and said, hey Brad, just a heads up, our episode was posted on the LinkedIn equivalent in the medical community. I don't know what it's called. He said, "So so you're going to see a lot of, increase in the amount of downloads and sure enough it skyrocketed couldn't believe it but yeah he went to the university of minnesota but to your point about gpa i know (laughs) being able
0: to put valedictorian on your resume is a big deal but do you think long term does it still have quite as big as an impact as
1: well that's why i asked you if you had ever been asked about your gpa i've been out of school now for 20 years i've been asked zero times what my gpa was i haven't been asked at all yeah, my college GPA was just shy of a I 3.0. I think it was a two nine. And I remember reading that George W. Bush the younger was he had the same GPA as me, <laughs> and that made me feel good. <laughs> There's a great book by Thomas Stanley called The Millionaire Mind. I have it up on my shelf over there. That is a great book if you're someone who didn't do well in school but want to be successful, whether it's in business, investing, personal finance. It is a great book. I have so many highlights in there. And it's kind of the sequel to his first book, The Millionaire Next Door. I, I noticed on Facebook the other day, one of my Facebook friends posted about their daughter getting straight A's and she was like a first grader or something. And I thought school is so much geared toward girls having success that I would bet if I surveyed my Facebook friends that I'd find that more of their daughters make straight A's than don't. Like, Can you imagine a six-year-old girl coming home and having C's and D's on their report card? I I think that's just unheard of. I could be wrong, but my wife and I were actually having a discussion last night about whether or not it was easier to be a, a man or a woman. And I was saying, well, when you're a woman, like society's not going to let you completely fall on your face. There's just too many security blankets, too many programs to help you. Whereas you will see men kilted over from fentanyl overdoses or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, men just, there's, there's not as much sympathy for men, I don't feel like. Why do you think that is? Well if men want to attract a woman which is our biological impulse to reproduce then we have to build ourselves up we have to make something of ourselves and it's getting worse in that regard because i don't know if you've seen the surveys but with online dating it's like half of women find only 20 percent of men to be above above average in attractiveness whereas men find half of women to be in (laughs) (laughs) above average in attractiveness so what does that tell you well men who are eights or above basically have a harem and women women have all these stipulations like you've got to be six foot tall you've got to make a hundred grand a year you you gotta be athletic you've got to be intelligent speak well you've Mm got to do all these things to attract a woman and so I think that that speaks to why men develop themselves and it's more important for a woman to preserve herself because unfortunately society doesn't teach this but men do not care how much money a woman makes if she makes 30 grand or if she makes 300 grand we could not care less (laughs) it does not matter to us and unfortunately they are getting graduate degrees nowadays and require that their man have at least if not more education than they do and that's getting harder and harder to find because more women are graduating with graduate degrees nowadays. So all of that, if we take it to its logical conclusion, is not good for society. What do you think? Do you notice a change like in young people? Well, I guess you've never known life before the internet. Nope. Never. Nope. nope. Like were you three, four years old and had an iPad in your hand?
0: No, I'd, I, I think... The first device kind of like that I got, I was probably like seventh grade.
1: And did you lobby your parents hard for a cell phone?
0: I would say I lobbied them hard, but I think it got to a point where, okay, all my friends have one now. It doesn't make sense that I don't have one
1: yet. Did you know anyone that, that wasn't on social media?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely knew people who weren't on it, but most people were definitely on it, especially younger. I'd say more people were more inclined to at least have something when they were younger. And then over time, a lot of people stepped away from it when they realized, why am I spending so much time on my, on social media looking for others' approval? Still, I'd say more people are on social media than not on it, but I'd say I see more stepping away from it now than when everyone first started getting their devices
1: wanting social approval that is a speaking of biological impulses that is a strong impulse for people absolutely wanting others approval i was listening to tim Ferriss's podcast last night morgan housel was a guest and morgan housel was saying that people spend money to impress others not realizing that others are thinking about themselves and that if you have attributes like intelligence wisdom humor if you have those traits that people will respect you for you're much less likely to spend money on horsepower and square footage the horsepower of a fancy car or a big house we're sitting in a 1250 square foot house right now in the 70s when this place was built this was the average size home nowadays it's the average size home is double that it's like 2400 square feet So people are spending money oftentimes just to impress others. And it makes sense to me that the less secure you are in yourself, the less you have to offer people, the more likely you are to spend money to impress people. And the best indication that we have as to whether or not someone is wealthy, if they've been able to build wealth, is whether or not they've been able to withstand societal pressures to spend money to impress people. Right? If somebody's driving in your neighborhood in a hundred thousand dollar car, the only takeaway from that should be he's a hundred thousand dollars poorer, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I understand the temptation. And I actually drove a pretty fancy car at one time, but it's it's like you want to get to the point where spending money on a car would be such a sliver of your wealth. So my rule is you get to a point as fast as you can in life where you're paying cash for a car and the way you determine how much you're going to spend is as a percentage of your wealth. So if you're worth half a million dollars and you want to spend 10% of your net worth, which I would never recommend, That would be $50,000. And then each subsequent purchase should be a lesser percentage of your wealth. Mm -hmm. So let's say that by the time you need a car again, and I did say need, not want, let's say it's three years from now, and now you're worth $800,000. Well, if you reduce the amount, the percentage amount that you're spending on your car as a percentage of your wealth, if you can spend... 5%, Five percent. Well, then that's forty grand. So you spent less money than last time. So that's that's my rule, and that's what I encourage people to do because they too often people decide how much to spend on a car based on their income, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't think that's wise. That's, what kind of car do you drive?
0: So <laughs> I drive a 2015 Ford F one hundred and fifty.
1: Now, does your employer encourage you? Because I know you're in sales. And you want to appear successful to your prospective clients. Do they encourage you to drive a nicer car?
0: No, that's, that's never come up. And to be quite frank, uh, being up in Wisconsin from Texas, especially since COVID, most of the people we're meeting with are virtual. They live several hours away or several states away. Half of the people I'm working with are down in Texas, some are in Wisconsin, some are in California, some are in Georgia. So in terms of being in front of people, most of the people you're spending a lot of your time with every single day don't even see outside of what your face and what the upper part of your body looks like. Mm. So I will, no, that's never really come up, at least from people higher up in our, in our office.
1: So you have no desire to purchase a fancier car?
0: If it fits in the budget, like you said, I'm not opposed to it, but I can't say that's a, a top priority for me at this point in time.
1: So let's say you're worth a quarter million dollars. How much would you spend? And, and let's say you made, I don't know, sixty grand a year, eighty grand a year. How much are you spending on your car?
0: I don't think I'd go above forty thousand. Isn't, isn't
1: that tough to make that decision? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it just goes to show that most people spend as much as they can get approved for. That's how they they view real estate mm-hmm. purchases. I can tell you that I'm judged all the time by my address. I remember getting a prescription after a surgery one time and the pharmacist wouldn't let me pick up a refill like a day early or something. And I said, I have a flight leaving town. Like, why can't I pick this up a day early? And she said, well, sir, you've got to understand we have a lot of drug seekers. And so they're trying to get pain medication or muscle relaxants early. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a drug seeker. And she was like, oh, I, I know. I can see you live on West 22nd Street. And I said, what? Oh, that's so that's interesting. interesting. You judge. <laughs> so then I was like, well, at CVS, I've got to make sure I don't change my address if they're going to judge whether or not I can get a refill in the future based on my address. So then I could see where that would, if I were a lesser man, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would probably buy as much house as I could because that could impact whether or not I can get life-changing medication, That's I would That's interesting. Think. Isn't that wow.
0: something? How long have you been in the
1: Houston area? I moved here in eighth grade and then went to college out of state to play baseball like you. And then came back to Houston after college, which was a tough decision for me because you can either stay in the college town where you've hopefully made some connections with older folks or move back to where you went to high school. And in Houston, there's obviously more opportunity but you haven't talked to most people in four or five years Mm -hmm. and your friends, a lot of them are still in school or they're scattered about the country. How did you make the decision to come back or, or not come back? And was that a tough decision for you?
0: It was definitely a tough decision. When I was starting the last semester of college, I was definitely in the mindset of as soon as I get my diploma, I'm headed back down South. But as the semester went on, I realized I was well connected in the Wisconsin area with just close connections, really good people, people that would support me uh, more so back in Texas. And Mm -hmm. I I had some, a couple, really two or three good friends back in the Texas area, but just the circumstances of life is I'd be starting from scratch all over again. And with how valuable connections are, especially getting started in a career like mine, uh, I felt like sticking around Wisconsin was just the best move for me, both personally and from a career standpoint.
1: I've always said good networking doesn't look like networking. It's becoming a person of value to other people. Mm -hmm. How do you think about networking?
0: I like the way you put it best. It's figuring out how you can serve others in the best way possible. I mean, at the end of the day, that's how you and I met was just because Kurt Kristenik put us in contact. And I think when you see someone who could value or appreciate something that someone else can offer them and just putting those people in contact. I mean, that can change people's lives. So when I think of networking, like you said, bringing value to other people, but how can you also bring other people's value to other people?
1: Isn't it interesting that not everyone gets joy from connecting people in that way?
0: I find that very interesting. And to be quite frank, before I started in this career too. I would have been that way. And that's just the more introverted side of me is one, I wasn't well connected. And two, I didn't like holding long conversations. I didn't like talking as much. And so I couldn't imagine having to connect other people and have a conversation like that with people. But the more I've grown comfortable talking with people, connecting with people and connecting other people, I've just seen the value that can provide When I was still a college athlete, I was training with a trainer here in the Katy area. He's a fantastic trainer. He was a former division one athlete draft pick back in the day. And he just disconnected from the original athletic training firm he was with and to start his own business. And I was, I met him through that original training firm. And I valued his approach to training and the value he provided athletes. So I followed him to when he started his own business. And from working with him, I was in the best shape I was in my life, athletically, physically, just being able to move really, really well. And I was able, other fellow athletes of mine in the area noticed that. And eventually they were asking me who I was working out with. And I started sending them his way. And that was my first taste of networking and and sent and connecting just really, really awesome people together. And I just saw what that did for their athletic careers, as well as uh, this trainer's career in terms of just being able to continue to build a business from scratch.
1: It's awesome to hear that you're introverted and knew that you were going to be someone who didn't connect people in that way, but got a taste of it, experienced the joy of connecting people in that way, the benefits and you're you'll forever be that way now, right? Mm-hmm,
0: absolutely. So I still am connected with him on Snapchat, Instagram, and anytime one of his athletes sends him a text about a performance in a in a game or a performance in how much weight they can lift or how fast they're running, he sent they send it to him, and he'll screenshot it, obviously make it anonymous and scratch out any names, but post it on his his stories and just pretty Much praise like the blessings he's getting from his athletes, and it feels pretty special to look at that and see the impact he's having on a lot of other people right now. And just knowing he's probably having an impact on some of the people you've been able to connect him with,
1: it's cool to how quickly you can build trust nowadays because of the internet. So, when Kurt referred you to me, I'm able to look you up online, and mm-hmm. vice versa, mm-hmm. and it speaks to how important your online presence is. And you need to curate that. You need to refine it so that it's appealing to people because I I doubt people ever go on blind dates nowadays, right? You're going to look them up. You're going to Google them and put their name in quotes. I don't know if you know that trick, that Google trick, but you'll get a lot more detail Mm -hmm. when you put that name in quotes. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of hacks for for Googling. Maybe I should post some of them to help (laughs) people. But that speaks to my mindset too, right? Like whenever I learn something, I'm like, I should share this, you know, and help others grow. I think that comes as a byproduct of getting older too. Mm-hmm. What age will you be a millionaire? Do you think? I'd say by 30 is now nice. goal. That's the goal. And how old are you right now? I'm 22. 22. So you were born in what? 02?
0: I was born in 01.
1: 01. Okay. Yeah. We established when you walked in that I bought this place in July of 03 and you had just met Aria, my daughter, and you were her age when I bought this place (laughs) that we're living in right now as a family. What habits have you implemented to ensure that you get to millionaire status?
0: Just doing a much better job saving. When it comes to saving, I think most people have heard at this point that. The younger you start, the better off you're going to be, and just letting compound interest run its course.
1: Are you now saving and investing and kind of wish that you had started saving even $20 a month at age 14?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. I was fortunate enough where my father had set something aside for me when I was much younger to help me get through school, but definitely being in a career where some fellow mentors are asking me to open up certain accounts for their children. Um, I wish I had done something like that, especially when I was working through the summers, uh, still in high school, just knowing what if I had not just blown all that money on fast food and clothes that I don't fit into anymore and and saved a little bit of it.
1: Yes. Where you're literally eating your money. Literally, literally, literally. I heard something the other day about it was a financial advisor encouraging older people to give their kids money. You may have heard this before, but give it with a warm hand instead of a cold hand. The implication being that you want to give it to them while you're still alive. Mm -hmm. But also, if your kids are in their 30s and 40s, that's when they're going to need the money most. Not after you die at age 87 and leave it to your kids who are then 64 and don't need that money. And that really resonated with me. I'm going to change all sorts of financial, personal finance habits when I get older relative to what I've seen my parents and other parents doing. Like, I, I think one of the reasons that the boomer generation might be tight fisted with their money is because they've lived through so much inflation. So if you think about how much our dads made, In the 80s, your dad's probably considerably younger than mine. But my dad, for example, graduated college in 73 or something like that. And his first salary, if I had to guess, was $16,000. So a $100 bill for the first 20 years of his working life was a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. Well, now if, if... I'll use this example. I offered to take him to the Astros ALCS Game 1... For his 70th birthday. Mm -hmm. And I knew how much the tickets were gonna cost me. He turned me down because he said it was too late. It started at 7 p.m. So I knew how much it was gonna cost me. It was gonna be like $600 for two tickets. For a 70 year old man to pull the trigger on something like that would be very, very hard because he remembers when $600 paid the mortgage, (laughs) right? A car payment nowadays, the average car payment on a new car is over $700. I, I'm i sure boomers are not paying the high interest rates of today. No. Most of them are paying cash. In fact, I saw a stat recently that said a third of new car purchases nowadays are purchased with cash. So anyway, I just think that when if you can remember when $600 could pay the mortgage, there's no way you would spend that on two tickets to a game. But... I see it differently as, as $600 will buy an incredible memory for you. Like where better to spend $600 than an ALCS game, which you're never guaranteed that your local team will go to the ALCS. But spending that three hours with your son, watching a game and talking, and then you'll be able to, to talk about it the rest of your life. I just think that is a really good investment of, of money. And why anyone would think it's better to leave it in your will two different, three different ways, depending on how many kids they have. To me, that just, that doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah.
0: Most people are usually either, when it comes to gifts, they're either experiences or things. And it definitely sounds like you fall more into the experiences oh, category. God,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll never buy a fancy car ever again. And I said this on the last episode, but my wife and I actually share a car right now. Okay. Because she was driving the car that she drove in college until COVID. And we were only using one car during COVID. So we sold it. And rather than getting another one, and I thought that I would... I realized doing the calculations that it was better for me to take Ubers and I would come out way better than $700 a month, (laughs) especially when you add gas and insurance. I mean, you're looking at like $900, $1,000 a month. You can take Ubers 13 times in a month or 23 times and come out way ahead. So that's what I've been doing. It's working for me so far. But there is temptation to have your own vehicle. I pointed out that two-door Bronco that we saw on the street. Mm -hmm. That thing is a a beauty. Yeah, they're very nice. But the one we saw was two-door. And now that I have a child, I couldn't... uh, Two-door would never fly. Right, right. What's your living situation right now?
0: Right now, I live with two roommates in a house up in Wisconsin. So two guys... One guy I knew from college and another guy, he was already living there when i moved in but really good dudes split the rent three ways really nice house and um plenty of space for all of us to kind of have to ourselves
1: no that's cool and what are you paying for rent you don't mind me asking
0: rent right now after splits mine comes out to be right around 450.
1: oh beautiful and how long do you think you'll be able to rent or how long do you want to rent
0: i mean ideally i stop renting as soon as possible which i know is a very generic answer that a lot of people share for me, I want to figure out where I want to live long-term first because I don't know if that is Wisconsin, if that's Texas, if that's somewhere else. I think first and foremost, is just saving the money I am earning. And once I do know where I want to live, then that'll become much more of the next step for me in terms of when I want to move into a place that I own and where that's going to be.
1: When I was coming out of college, it was frowned upon to live with your parents. Or I shouldn't say frowned upon. It was just becoming a more popular thing. And prior to that, I think you would have been made fun of if you moved in with your parents after college. But it seemed like around the time I was coming out of college, everybody was, everybody had a college degree. It seemed like it was what a high school degree, a high school diploma used to be almost. And so people noticed that they weren't able to make ends meet as an adult in the real world anymore and therefore moved in with their parents until they could afford to live on their own. Have you noticed your friends moving in with their parents after college?
0: Yeah. And I think it has more so to do with they don't know what they want to do. Mm. After college, career-wise, or maybe they were a little bit late to the game and searching for that first job out of college, the ones A lot of the ones who are living at home right now, though, are just taking advantage of the fact of everything you just said in terms of lower expenses, being able to just save a ton of money and then get into their own place as soon as they possibly can.
1: And is house hacking something you guys discuss? I hear about it all the
0: time with my friends in terms of which ones are actually serious about it and making it a reality. I'm not sure, but I definitely hear about it a lot with my friends.
1: What method do you and your friends use to communicate primarily? Text message. Text? If we're
0: not in person, text message.
1: And what about social media? Where Where are your friends
0: mostly? They are mostly on Instagram, I, I'd have to say.
1: So when you said stories, that's what you were referring Instagram
0: to? Instagram and Snapchat. When I was talking about the trainer earlier,
1: Instagram, Snapchat. And what age did you get on those apps?
0: I was probably middle school, so 7th, 8th grade. That would have been like 13, 14, 15, around that
1: time. And did you see any? any girls that you went to school with struggling with social media, like reputational damage and things like that? Absolutely. Lots of bullying?
0: It's a a dangerous thing for young people who don't always make smart decisions. And, I mean, the Internet's forever, right? Things that go on there can stay on there forever, even if you think they're deleted. Yep,
1: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So did your teachers warn you? In class, like, where do you get that knowledge that the Internet's forever? Like, do do are, are people relying on parents to teach their kids that?
0: Yeah, so that's something my dad definitely instilled in all of us when we were very young. Mm. Just be careful what you put out there because a lot of it you can't take back, especially knowing I was trying to play college baseball, and if the wrong video arises, and even if it's you doing the wrong things or if you're just in the background of someone else doing the wrong things and, you know, college coaches get their hands on something like that that could ruin a reputation
1: what advice do you have to a junior in high school who wants to play college baseball as it pertains to social media social media because they need to promote themselves right absolutely as it
0: pertains to social media if they're you said a junior in high school right I'd say figure out which schools you do want to go to and find a way to be getting uh, videos of you playing in front of them. So whether that's practice footage or game footage, probably game footage more so than practice, but figure out ways to just get their attention with it, whether it's email, whether it's tagging them in Twitter posts. I know that seems to be a popular method. A lot of people tag different, like Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt or wherever, whichever school it may be they'll tag the head coach there in a twitter post
1: and they probably have a staff that Mm -hmm. helps to funnel right and weed out some of those absolutely the the kid who's practicing in jeans and
0: yeah well i mean you get to a a point where you're tagging schools like that You're, you're definitely gonna have a lot of kids that are have no business to to put a bluntly have no business sending someone like the Vanderbilt head coach, videos of them playing.
1: So has recruiting changed in that because they're being bombarded, it's all inbound, that maybe coaches don't have to go out and recruit as much?
0: I'm sure it's changed a little bit, but I'd imagine a lot of the really good teams are still going out to seek players with the perfect game and ranking system. And I don't know the ins and outs of that too much, but there's ways, especially these top tier schools are finding the best high school talent in the nation. And you went to
1: a top high school, correct?
0: When I, I went to a really new high school, I don't know how good they're doing right now, but I was actually the first graduating class from Fulcher High School back in 2019.
1: Oh, I thought you went to Cy Ranch. Why did I think that?
0: That wasn't me. I went to Foster High School my freshman year, and then sophomore, junior, and senior year, I was at Fulcher High School.
1: And that's a relatively new school, mm-hmm. huh? Is that off of 1483?
0: Yeah, 1463. Okay, I yeah. think 1463.
1: I went to Blessington Farms last weekend. Have you heard of that? I have not. It's a real cool farm that has all these setups that you can tell is designed for Instagram. Like it's backdrops with pumpkins, but they also have, and like old trucks and fire trucks for kids or whatever, but they also have a lot of jumpy things and bouncy balls and you can pet llamas and things like that anyway my daughter loved it it was quite expensive but that was the first time i had been out off of 1463 in a long time we used to say that like if you lived in Katy, you were living in east san antonio and that was 20 years ago so now i mean shit 290 and i10 it seems like houston extends 40 miles outside of the city limits of houston now where it's just businesses and neighborhoods going for miles and miles
0: it doesn't end it just keeps growing every time i come home there's just more to it really Mm -hmm. it's not the smaller kind of country town it was when i was growing up it's just it's gotten so so big
1: i would imagine the downside of graduating from a high school where you were oldest was there were there were never older people around Mm -hmm. that kind of takes away from some of your high school experience, don't you think?
0: It definitely did, especially on the sports side of things. When you're playing varsity sports and you don't have seniors, like it was for us our junior year, that's a really big handicap right
1: there. hmm mm-hmm. And what school did most of the students come from to fill Fulshire?
0: So Foster High School, a large chunk of us from Fulshire had to go to Fulshire High School once that opened up. And how big is Fulcher High School? It, I graduated with about 200 kids when uh, in 2019. And I want to say my brother probably graduated with 400, maybe 500, just two, three years later. And it's only gotten bigger since then. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's 5A? It is 5A, yes.
1: Hmm. So the, the school is 9th to 12th? yes grade and yep. how many students total you think 3,000 yeah I'd say it's a safe bet I had 3,100 at Sci Falls okay and I remember we had a thousand freshmen but we only graduated with 560 students so I don't know if people got <laughs> knocked up I, I don't know where everybody went I mean, we did have a, a thuggish component to our school there was this neighborhood called Carverdale and Our school, uh, I lived in such a melting pot in Houston that we had every group under the sun, like every clique. So we had kickers, grunge, preps, jocks, uh, surfer dudes. (laughs) We had every little clique. And then we had the thuggish-ruggish bones that were coming from Carverdale. And and I don't think, if I remember graduation, it was a lot of wins, N-G-U-Y-E-N. And I didn't see a lot of people from Carverdale walking In their cap and gown. So I guess they just dropped out. I don't know what happens to all those people as Mm -hmm. adults. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Exactly.
0: You spend a lot of time thinking about people you knew back in high school, Brad.
1: It's funny you ask. Because we're pretty much the first age group to see what's happened to people. Like normally you would have no window or insight into how their life turned out. Mm -hmm. But because of Facebook you can see what people are doing 25 years later. Yeah. And that's n- you've never been able to do that.
0: It's crazy. It's incredible. It's crazy how networked and connected the world is now. Yes. For better or for worse.
1: Mm-hmm. And it happens so fast. Mm-hmm. Golly. I still remember the first time I looked at an iPhone. My brother had one, and he was looking at scores on an app, uh, football scores. And I was like, oh, wow. We used to have to... If we were at an LSU game on a Saturday night, I can remember before we went to the bar after the game, going to someone's apartment so that we could see ESPN's ticker at the bottom so that we could look at the scores mm-hmm. that we wanted to see. You are probably betting on the games if I had to guess. <laughs> if you had to choose an age to get married, what would it What would it be? I'd say 29, 30, 31. Part of the married. reason I ask these questions is because... The internet is forever. You'll be able to listen to this when you're nine thirty, yep. And so many things are going to change. And the future <laughs> is so unknowable that it'll be fun for you to listen to this when you're nine thirty.
0: Yeah. I got older parents, so I don't want to be quite as old as they were whenever me and my brother were born. Mm. But also, I'm absolutely not in a place right now where I'm ready for anything like that. I'm just enjoying being able to be very much in control of a lot of things that happened in my own life and just making the most of my 20s right now.
1: That's great. Keep developing yourself. Your your value is only skyrocketing. How old were your parents when they had you? They were in the early 40s. Oh, wow. Both of them?
0: Both of them. They're both 64 this year.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. So somebody asked me this recently. Do I regret having children so old and i only have one but i was 30 almost 38 when i got married and i would not trade my 30s as a bachelor with money for my kids being seven eight years older than they are i was talking to my friend adam who he and i flew to zambia And then South Africa. And the reason I I contacted him was there was this video I saw online of a great white shark that got into the cage of this dude that was diving, shark diving Mm -hmm. in the cage. And the shark got inside the cage. And there were people on the boat that took their hat off and shirt off like they were going to do something. I don't know what you (laughs) could do. But the shark wiggled out the top of the cage. And then they got the guy out. And the guy was unharmed. But it reminded me of when Adam and I went shark cage diving off the coast of South Africa. There was a shark who came full speed at me. He must have been like 50 yards away and just started swimming straight at me. It was one of those things, situations where you, you pit your chance, rightfully so. <laughs> and he came right at me and hit his nose on the bar of the cage. And it was wrought iron. And when I got out they noticed the cage was bent and said that has never happened before. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I was telling Adam that we not only had that experience on that trip, but we volunteered in Zambia. We went on a safari in Zambia. We did all that fun stuff in South Africa, whale watching, shark shark cage diving, went out and mingled among the people at the bars, which was really cool, post-apartheid. There wasn't like rap clubs and country clubs. It was like everybody went to the same bars and restaurants. It was really interesting. And then we went to Turkey, Istanbul, and then we went to Israel. And with all that's going on in Israel right now, we can better relate to it because we've been all around that country. We actually hired a private guide to take us to all the different places that they now talk about on the news. So we could only do that as bachelors who had money Mm -hmm. and so all the experiences I had as a 35 year old being single it's so hard to put a price on that Mm -hmm. and yeah I I love my daughter but and I don't see myself regretting when I'm 65 and I'm the oldest parent at high school graduation like I I don't think I'll care like as long as you can get along with younger people I mean you and I get along well I mean you're 20 years younger than me Mm -hmm. I mean and my wife is considerably younger than me. It, it keeps me youthful to some extent. Absolutely. So anyway, I, if I had to throw a dart for myself, if I had to do it all over again, I still would get married at the age I got married. Yeah.
0: That's uh, being able to reach the end of life with just as few regrets as possible. Definitely which, just a goal of mine.
1: Which is what I've seen Jeff Bezos has structured his life around that idea that he wants to have as few regrets as possible at the end of life. Mm -hmm. And I've oriented my life to be that way too. You can't do everything right. And the future is unknowable. Mm -hmm. You just really have to take advantage of your youthful energy. And, and it's so hard to value your health until you have something go wrong. It's like anything, right? If you have a near-death experience or something, you're going to really value your life. If you have cancer, anything like that. But your health is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And you take it for granted until you have a health scare. When you have a health scare, man, you could get fat and you can't work out. It's oh, it's a downward spiral.
0: I think my num- my number one motivation for going to the gym post-athletics is I know it'll be harder to get back into shape if I ever fall out of it rather than just maintaining, staying in shape.
1: Do not stop, ever. Do Mm -hmm. not stop working out for anything. I had a former college teammate of mine on the podcast, Clint Joffreon, and he still remembered our head coach in college talking about the peaks and valleys in life, saying that, The values is when you get stronger, wiser, and better, and the peaks will take care of themselves, that sort of talk. And I never really felt like I needed it, like I felt like I knew that stuff already, but it still helps that he reiterated it so that it could get further embedded in my brain. And I still flash those little cliches in my mind when I'm facing something. And I asked Clint if there was anything he remembered from coach in college, and he said, Oh, definitely. He said, if you're not five minutes early, you're late, which I think he got from <laughs> speaking of Lambo, I think he got it from coach Lombardi. Lombardi. Yeah. Is there anything that you remember your college coach saying? I'd say the biggest thing I took away
0: from my junior college coach and would be don't make things about yourself. It's never about you. So when I think of Whenever I play my worst baseball versus my best, usually my worst baseball came from when I was more worried about my performance. Am I going to hit the ball hard? Am I going to make this play versus am I just worried about the team and the team winning at the end of the day? And you, sorry, go ahead.
1: Do you notice in the real world that others were never good teammates? Like yes. they don't root for your success? Yes. Isn't, isn't that glaringly obvious and it, it hurts? Like, mm-hmm. man, I can't believe.
0: Yeah, I can't say I was the perfect teammate either, but I would never, you know, I was never the one throwing a fit or anything like that. But I mean, to be fair, it's not fun watching someone have more success than you when you feel like maybe you deserved it more, or worked harder, whatever it may be, and it's that's a hard thing. And I'd say that's one of the biggest lessons I learned from baseball is that nothing's guaranteed no matter how hard you work you just got to make the most of what you got and keep working hard
1: yeah so do you notice some of those habits or skill sets that you developed in college or or just attitudes or mental models anything that's that's transferable that you use in the real world that you gain from playing college ball
0: i'd say just being others focused if you can build others up support others, have their back. It just helps you in the long term as well, especially from a, a mental state. If you're always worried about what someone else is doing, you're always going to be comparing yourself to other people. And that's one thing I try to avoid at all costs is comparing myself to someone else because everyone's different. Everyone has different experiences, different things happen to different people and everyone's running their own race at the end of the day. So I, going back to what my junior college coach would say, it's not about you. If someone was making a big deal about themselves, if they're playing or whatever it may be or not, we'd call them the I guy. They make everything about themselves. And so if you hear like the older players talking about someone from their past team, he's like that that guy was an I guy. That was a bad thing. You don't want to be known as the I guy. Mm. So I apply that to right now in my career and just how I look at life is... I don't want to compare myself to other people. I just want to see how I can use what I have to help build other people up. Well
1: said. I saw a video clip of Shaquille O'Neal talking about Kobe, RIP. And he said, I once went up to Kobe and said, Kobe, there's no I in team. Evidently, he was hogging the ball, not passing much. (laughs) And Kobe said, no, Shaq, there's not but there's a me in that motherfucker <laughs> talking about team <laughs> yeah. and i also heard kobe talk about a conversation he had with michael jordan worrying that he was not passing the ball enough and jordan told him to trust his instincts and keep being him just do you you be you and he said that gave him all the confidence confidence in the world to keep being him mm-hmm. and yeah, it's amazing what you can get from older people. Which mm-hmm. it's people who've been been there and done that, who've done what you want to do, and it's just so much easier nowadays to connect with those people via the internet. Absolutely, and so much is free on YouTube and and different platforms. It's it's crazy, but the, the, it's. Invaluable. You can't put a price on one-on-one interaction or mentorship. You have a, a mentor at work, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, and w- in what ways has he helped you?
0: He's a couple steps ahead of me. I mean, he's he's been where I want to be in the next one, two, and three years in the business. And he's also going to be where I want to be in the next one, two, three years in the business. And so he just seems to be doing the everything the way it's meant to be done. He gets after it and being coached and trained by a guy like that. Well, it only just rubs off on you mm. mm-hmm. and just having someone you can look up to bounce questions off of and just ask for that guidance
1: as uh, invaluable. What's been the most difficult part of the real world, quote
0: unquote, so far people trusting you despite being relatively new to the, the working world and mm. just being younger and, being seen as someone with wisdom or experience that a lot of times gets overlooked when someone is only 22 years old.
1: Yeah. There's, there's, you can't put an age on wisdom. Mm -hmm. So often there are 22 year olds who are more wise than a 37 year old. Yeah. There's no threshold you cross to become an adult. Like I still interact with, 70 year olds who act like teenagers
0: well i just take the approach that you can learn anything from anyone whether it's what to do or what not to do so whether they're 70 50 40 15 you can learn something from someone and it makes life a lot more interesting when you approach conversation that way
1: Mm, you win or you learn Mm -hmm. right i love that everybody has something interesting about them if we just inquire everybody's got a story
0: There's no mistakes unless you didn't learn anything from going through whatever it was.
1: And you're a godly person, right? Yes, sir. You go to church every week? Yes. Did you meet your girlfriend at church?
0: So we actually met through work and the way we started dating was her eventually joining me and some friends at church and then eventually hanging out with a lot of us. So that's kind of what led down the path of us dating.
1: Could you ever see yourself dating someone who wasn't a believer?
0: I think it'd be hard. I think it'd be very, very hard. And the reason being is because a lot comes with being a believer values wise. And when it comes to a relationship, a lot of times, I mean, you do need to have similar values. You need to be very much on the same page. And so I can't say for sure, no, but I think it would make things very, very difficult.
1: Do you have friends or roommates who don't believe in God? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're still good people, right? They're still good people. Yeah. Have you ever talked to them about it?
0: Yeah. we, We always have those conversations and you just be curious and ask them questions, why they think certain things. And it's just good conversation at the end of the day.
1: What's been the biggest benefit to you of having a relationship with God?
0: Just taking a lot of pressure off of myself, feeling like everything is in my control, but knowing someone, something else up above is, has more control of what's going to happen than I do. And I just do my best to work hard, be a good person, serve others, and let like God just take care of the rest for me.
1: And so does that help you be more discerning in what is in your control and what isn't?
0: Absolutely. Mm. If I can just worry about everything in my control, and let everything out of my control just slip warp my worries, that helps me from a mental standpoint just stay dialed in on what is in my control. Very cool. What are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading As a Man Thinketh. James Allen.
1: Yes. Who sent you that book? You did. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. I actually sent it to you twice by mistake.
0: Yep, so my brother's got a nice free book sitting on his bookshelf right now.
1: Isn't that something? Of all the books... I could have sent you. I sent you the same one twice. That is so ridiculous. How many books are on my bookshelf right there?
0: I, I can't count that high, Brad. <laughs> Probably I could have sent you any one of
1: those. That's so ridiculous that I did that. He asked me, listeners if I've read all the books on my bookshelf and I told him (laughs) the best indicator for whether or not someone's a reader is when they walk in your house and see your bookshelf and say, have you read all these books? (laughs) Because the best indicator is whether they're a reader or not is because a reader would know that, of course, you haven't read all the books on your bookshelf. (laughs) So we had a good laugh about that.
0: I should have known. I should have known.
1: Uh, let's do fun questions, okay? And then we'll wrap up. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Is not wanting something just as good as having it?
0: I think I don't think there's a black and white answer to that. I'd say it depends. If having it if, it, if it's serving you in some form or shape or some kind of way, then I'd say not having it would be no. It's not as good
1: as having it. When is the last time you spoke to God? This morning. What'd you say?
0: I was very grateful of everything he's provided for me and just the opportunities I have right now and the relationships I have.
1: Beautiful. What is the best quality you look for in someone you're going to date?
0: Motivation. And what I mean by that is I one of the most attractive qualities I find in someone is their drive to become a better person tomorrow than they are today to be better today than they were yesterday. And whatever that means, whether that's career, whether that's relationally um, with their relationship with God, with other people, physically, whatever it may be, someone who's always motivated to get better at something.
1: Which app do you use the most on your phone? Probably Instagram. Is there a professional sports team that you root for?
0: I am a Boston sports fan,
1: especially the Red Sox. You probably don't remember their first World Series victory.
0: No, I was not alive.
1: Um, that was oh, oh, I'm sorry, not to, not After first ever. LOL so.
0: Yeah, so 04. I've seen the 30 for 30 a million times, but I obviously was not old enough to re- remember it, much less really watch it. So I'd say 2013, that World Series run was when I first became a true fan, watching David Ortiz. Hit the home run, the grand slam against the Detroit Tigers where Torrey Hunter, I think who was playing right field, fell into the bullpen to tie the game.
1: (laughs) Do you feel like David Ortiz was an affirmative action hire to be one of the five people that sit on the panel? No. No chance. No? No chance. Would you rather the Red Sox win the World Series next year or have $250 cash?
0: Red Sox won the World Series
1: Red Sox win the World Series or eight hundred dollars cash
0: Red Sox won the World Series wow
1: you are a fan if I gave you a hundred thousand dollars but said you had to invest it all in one of these three companies Starbucks Apple or Tesla where are you putting the money all of it
0: I would I want to say Tesla but I know you we were talking about Starbucks earlier so I'm curious where you're going with this question
1: well, The reason I like Starbucks, and this is not investment advice at all, but when I first went to Prague, there was one Starbucks right in the old town across from the astronomical clock. When I went back to Prague, my wife and I, quote unquote, lived there for 60 days or something. We stayed in one of the suburbs, Prague 6, not Prague 1, where the old town is. And I would walk to Starbucks to do my work. And There were all walks of life in that Starbucks, meaning all socioeconomic classes. And I knew that those people didn't make very much money. Like the average wage in Czech Republic at that time was something like $800 a month or something. And so it told me that people don't think in proportionalities that way. Like I only make $800 a month, therefore I can't afford a $5 coffee. They were going to go to Starbucks regardless, is is how I viewed that. And there were, at that time, 15 Starbucks in Prague. So they went from 1 to 15, and despite not being in a touristy area, it was always packed mm-hmm. with all walks of life. Not to mention, people in America think that way too. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that Starbucks close. Uh, they've been through tumultuous times in the past where... You know, they've been through a lot of controversies. They've they're, they've worked their way through it. I think a lot of people are addicted to it. It just doesn't seem to fall out of favor, and it's been around a while, and things are lindy. Lindy meaning if something's been around for a while, the likelihood that it's going to continue to be around for a while are high. It pays a dividend. Uh, it's right around $100, <laughs> $100 a share right now. And so if I had $100,000... Right now, I'd probably invest it in Apple, because Warren Buffett <laughs> has 50% of his portfolio in Apple, and he's got to know something. was a hard left turn right there, Brad. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've got to put all 100000 in one stock. Yeah, I'm probably going to play it safe okay. and go with the most famous value investor of all time.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair
1: enough. Yeah. President Joe Biden turned 81 recently. Do you think he'll be the Democrat Party candidate next year? I'd say
0: probably, but quite frankly, you're asking the worst person imaginable. Politics are not something I pay as much attention to as I
1: probably should. Do you know who Matt Reif is? Yes. The comedian? Yes. You remind me of him a lot. Why is that? He said the exact same thing on Joe Rogan, that he'd be the last person to ask about politics. Okay. And you're both about the same age. You're good-looking young dudes and... You kind of look like him if you've to to somebody like me who doesn't interact with twenty two year olds that often like y'all seem a lot alike to me <laughs> if you had a choice, would you be famous?
0: I guess it'd be depend on what it, I'd be famous for
1: well, let's say you'd be famous for something similar to what you're doing with your life right now as a financial advisor let's say you started giving talks or or writing a book and yeah, yeah, built an online presence to where you had a couple hundred thousand Twitter followers.
0: Absolutely. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. There's I, a lot of
1: downside to it. There is. Try to ruin your reputation or take you down the way they're trying to take down Elon Musk. Media Matters manipulated the algorithm of Twitter to say that Disney and Apple's ads were adjacent to anti-Semitism posts and therefore... They should remove their ads, and they did. Mm-hmm. Apple and Disney and all those companies removed their ads from Twitter, and they couldn't replicate the problem. Like, there, are, there have been 5 billion posts or something, and it showed up on, like, 50 of those 5 billion. So what they did is created a bunch of fake Twitter accounts and then refreshed the feed 13 times in order to make that happen. So they manipulated it mm-hmm. to try to ruin Elon so anyway, I could I could see a lot of lawsuits, downside like that.
0: Well, think about like all these famous athletes where some kind of dirt gets dug up on them and it just absolutely ruins their career. And I think Trevor Bauer is just the epitome of that right now.
1: That's a great example. 51 million and they have a, he's worth 51 million. They have a girl who's going over to his house and says, I'm going to get that bag. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get him to choke me. And, and he had to go play overseas mm-hmm. because the MLB basically fired him.
0: Yep. Whether you like him or hate him, I don't know to what extent what is true, what's a lie in that story. But whether you like him or hate him, doesn't seem quite fair what's happening for him and what that cost him career-wise.
1: Yes, for allegations, something needs to change. Where if you allege sexual assault where there was none, you're trying to ruin somebody's life, their ability to support themselves. You should go to prison. Mm-hmm. Why people are not going to prison for that, I have no idea. The mayor of New York City right now is facing allegations of sexual assault from 33 years ago. How can they allow people to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. So that would be another scare mm-hmm. if you were to become famous at age 35 and somebody from Fulcher High School accuses you of rape in ninth grade.
0: Yeah, Anything.
1: Yeah, because the headline's going to be there. And once you prove yourself innocent, that's going to be on page 37.
0: When you think about like artificial intelligence and just how easy it is to create something that looks real that isn't real, I feel like that might become more and more of a problem as we move forward.
1: Yes. Yes. How do you feel about GPT-3 or AI? Are you using those sorts of tools to help in your career?
0: I play around with it a little bit. I haven't quite figured out what exactly I could use it for. That might take my career to the next level, but I, I have played around
1: with it a little bit. If given the opportunity to travel somewhere for the month of December, for the entire month, where would you go? New Zealand is very high on my bucket list. I've been. I spent several weeks on the South Island. And when we would go from one location to the next, let's say it was a three hour drive. I enjoyed the drive just as much as the next location. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. It's like you're driving through a painting at every turn.
0: I've only heard incredible things about it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with New Zealand
1: there. Good choice. If you could have had one person alive or dead at your Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, who would it be?
0: I'd say Stevie Ray Vaughan. And just for the fact that I absolutely love his music and it'd be cool just to
1: Mm.
0: sit with him, talk to him, and just pick his brain on so many different things.
1: You play guitar, I do, yes. You love it? I love it. Are you obsessed? I'd say so. When's the last time you played?
0: Whenever I was home in Wisconsin, which would have been Tuesday.
1: So are you just itching to get back? Yeah. I used to be that way with Tech Mobile when I was a kid. I'd go visit my grandma and I couldn't get back couldn't wait to get back to my house to play Nintendo. Okay. So I can kind of relate. (laughs) But I really wish I knew how to play guitar.
0: It's it's never too late. It's not as hard. It's not easy, but it's not as hard as some people make it up to be in their head, at least to learn something.
1: And there's a lot of incentive because Mm -hmm. of the meditative aspect of it. It seems like you could escape the world. Through your fingers?
0: It's extremely therapeutic for me. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: And the ladies love it. <laughs> Have you played for your girl? Yes, absolutely. Does she love it? Yeah.
0: That's She's cool. a fan.
1: Does she request songs?
0: So the there's one song, one of the first songs I learned, it's called Bold as Love. It's by Jimi Hendrix, and that's my favorite one to play, and that's her favorite to
1: listen to me play. Okay, let's play word association. Tell me the first word or phrase that comes to mind when I say the following words or phrases. Christmas tree. Presents. Argentina. Soccer. Dating in 2023. Virtual. Elon Musk. Wealthy. New York City. Crowded. Uber. Not fun. Israel. Intense. Katy, Texas. Home. Internet pornography. Bad. Bicycle. Fun. Seeking wisdom. Essential. Marijuana. Not for me. High quality roommates.
0: Very important.
1: Wife material. Priority. Debit card. Money. Taco Bell. Cheap. How can people connect with you?
0: primarily on linkedin it's just my first and last name j-a-c-o-b-s-h-a-m-b-a-n or an email jshamban at gmail.com
1: very good thank you for doing this man was it fun
0: absolutely thanks for having me brad
1: (laughs) you're welcome buddy listeners thank you for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode please copy the link and share it with a friend and if you wish to contact me i can be found on instagram at man underscore overseas thank you folks